Welcome to Wellness Rebranded. We know there's so much conflicting health and fitness advice out there, and you're tired of the senseless and toxic diet culture noise. You're ready to tune into your body, feel empowered around food, and focus on your true health and well-being. Welcome to the Wellness Rebranded podcast. We're the healing trio of your health and wellness anti-diet dreams. I'm Tara, personal trainer. I'm Elizabeth, registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. And I'm Maura, licensed clinical social worker. Together, we're pushing back on diet culture, hustle culture, and toxic positivity to help you practice genuine health-promoting self-care. So grab your water bottle, forget the rules, and let's start rebranding your wellness journey. Welcome to another episode of Wellness Rebranded. Today, we are talking again about intuitive eating. So this is our third episode. If you haven't heard the first two, go back and check those out. Also, definitely check out Elizabeth's free five-day course, How to Break Up with Dieting for Good. It is in the show notes below. I'm excited for you guys to hear the rest. Yeah. So, so far, we've been through the first five principles of intuitive eating. There's five more that we're going to bang out in this episode. But Tara, you're the newest one to be learning about intuitive eating. So how are you feeling about it so far now that you're learning more? I'm kind of excited. I feel like I practice intuitive eating by accident. Uh-huh. So Intuitively? <laughs> right? <laughs> Weird. I actually love what I'm learning so far. The principle of eating to be satiated is like a no-brainer, but sounds fine. Oh, yeah, satisfied. But we don't actually eat like that a lot of the time. So Yeah, because diet culture is not about satisfaction, no. right? Dieting, diet culture, it's all about a more punitive, punishing yeah. aspect of food. Totally. And enjoying your food is health-promoting, too. So what's the next principle? The next principle is feel your fullness, which we already talked about the second principle of feeling your hunger in a previous episode. This one is all about feeling your fullness and really being able to tap in to those fullness cues and what they feel like in your body and being able to honor them and land on them without having to, of course, count, track, measure your food choices. I think we have a hard time in general with this because we eat so quickly, right? Yeah. It takes a few minutes for your brain to realize you've been fed. Yeah, absolutely. It does take a little while for your the stretch receptors in your stomach to send the signal to your brain that you're filling up. So when we're working through this principle, I can't recall if I said this in one of the previous episodes or not, but essentially I like to think of it as there's almost two pathways of intuitive eating. And one of the pathways is helping you build body connection, like really tap in deeply to your body wisdom and cues, your hunger cues, your fullness cues, how the food is making you feel. And we call that building attunement in intuitive eating. And then the second pathway, if you will, is about removing the barriers to that body connection. So some of the barriers, for example, what you just said, Tara, eating really fast, that would be a barrier to feeling your fullness. Oh, totally makes sense. Dieting and diet culture is another barrier to feeling your fullness. I know that this is one that I definitely struggle. I've realized I have like a really hard time with attunement in general and honestly, all interoceptive awareness. Like mm-hmm. That's the hardest part for me. As much mindfulness as I practice in my everyday life, I've noticed my interoceptive like actually connecting with what's physically happening is, mm-hmm. is probably the biggest challenge for me. Yeah. And this is exactly what that is, is helping people build and develop better interoceptive awareness. 
And so dieting and diet culture will definitely block people from feeling their fullness cues, right? If you are, for example, counting calories or points or macros, that has nothing to do with how full you are. And every time you try an eating plan that has you following that approach, you're disconnecting from your body. You get further and further away from that innate connection of being able to recognize the fullness cues, know what it feels like in your body, and then actually take that next step of honoring and respecting them. While you were talking, I was thinking about how I eat. And a lot of times at work, I don't really have a lunch break, right? I'm just going client to client to client. So I'll just like throw a protein bar in my face and keep working throughout the day. So I don't listen to my body at all for like, mm -hmm. what do, am I starving? Am I not starving? And then if I do get a break, it's like, oh my God, hurry quick. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All this food while you can, because you only have 30 seconds before right. you're done. So it almost feels like it's a cultural issue that we can't listen to our bodies the way it, we should. Yeah, I would say it definitely is partly cultural. And I was just having this conversation with a client this morning. So what I help people do is figure out, okay, what are the things that are blocking you specifically from tuning in more deeply? And sometimes it's a body connection piece. Sometimes it's more a circumstantial piece like that. And then it's really about being able to figure out a way to set a self-care boundary around that. So eating is self-care. It's some of the most fundamental self-care, really. So how can we help you figure out a way to eat your lunch in such a way that it will actually be nourishing and help you? I've been thinking about that a lot lately. That's interesting that you brought that up because I feel like I'm kind of neglecting self-care because I'm so busy, which is a great problem to have. But also, your girl gets hungry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And why is food the first thing to go, right? That is a fundamental basic need. I mean, if it makes you feel better, I don't pee very often either. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> also interoceptive awareness. <laughs> Relatable. I'm thinking, Tom, as soon as you said that eating is self-care, it made me think of the name of our podcast, Rebranding Wellness. And I think yeah. sometimes self-care gets kind of co-opted by diet culture, even. Sometimes, yeah, for yeah. sure. But yeah, I would say. Because what do most people think of when they think of self-care? Bubble uh, baths, candles, pedicures, aromatherapy. Right. Yeah, eating celery. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Only. Right, yes. <laughs> That's what I meant. Yes. Yeah, in my work with people, I'm trying to help go deeper, like actual fundamental self-care. How are you taking care of your body? How are you eating? Are you prioritizing movement? Are you managing your stress or getting enough sleep? What is the things you actually need for your body? All those other only celery aside, but the bubble baths, the manicures, the pedicures, massages, things like that are great and they are self-care. There's a place for them if you're into that, but even more essential than that is sort of what I'm talking about. Yeah. When I say nutrition as self-care. Yeah. I love that because it improves your actual quality of life. Yes. And possibly like duration of life mm -hmm. by doing these actual self-care tasks. Whereas like I love getting a mani-pedi, but it's not helping me live longer. Right. I'm thinking, too, of, of the principle of feeling your fullness and this being self-care. In the past, when I was a little bit more immersed in diet culture, mm -hmm. self-care was maybe not eating. To It was avoiding fullness. That so glad that you brought that up because it's the difference between, for me, going back to what you just said a minute ago, of our podcast is called Wellness Rebranded for a reason. I think it's so common out in the world, i.e. out in diet culture, to think about eating for weight, right? Mm -hmm. 
it's so common for that to be the lens that we filter our eating decisions through about weight. What I want to help people do as a dietitian and an intuitive eating counselor is help people eat for well-being. Ooh. I love that. Mic drop moment, right? <laughs> Podcast is over. Yeah. Up, guys. Yeah. <laughs> no, but really eating for well-being, that's actually what it's about. If your nutrition and your essential self-care is not enhancing the quality of your life, if it's causing you stress, guilt, overwhelm, anxiety, or you're having a hard time prioritizing it, then that's not actually helpful. It's not real care. Right. Is that how you would care for somebody else? Right. So I have a fullness question. When I was in grad school, I took this class. I don't remember what it was. It doesn't matter. But the guideline that we were basically taught was eat slowly, mindfully, and stop eating it like 80% full because it takes a minute for the stretch receptors to tell the brain that you're full and all that. Would you say that's a good guideline? Because 80% almost feels like... Don't get all the way full. Don't get too full. Yeah. You know? So I don't like putting it that number on it exactly like that because I think the underlying message could potentially feel like... Always be a little hungry. Right. And that is not <laughs> what I would say. I would actually look at it more without putting a percentage to it in the opposite way of... If you get overly full, that's not going to feel good. So the way that I describe it to my clients, and someone told me this one time, I actually don't know if it's true, but I use the analogy of a gas tank when you're measuring or gauging your hunger and fullness levels. And with fullness specifically, the, the thing that someone told me that I'm not sure if it's true, but it makes intuitive sense to me and it matches my analogy. So I run with it, <laughs> which is if you fill a gas tank in a boat to completely full, the boat will drag in the water and it won't run as efficiently or performance yeah. will be minimized. I have no idea if that's true. I'm not really a boater, but it makes sense to me. And I think if you use it for the analogy of your stomach, if you fill it to the brim, that's not going to feel very good. And you're probably not going to be energized and feel good after your meal. So I do think you're trying to avoid that over uncomfortable, unpleasant fullness, but also you want to eat enough to be genuinely full and satisfied for several hours. So a better guideline might be eat slowly, mindfully till comfortable fullness. Yes. I'm also hearing a lot of flexibility. I'm actually thinking of two things that I see in like psychology and therapy. One is we have to actually do these things to learn. Mm -hmm. Like I actually have to eat Probably around like full to know what full feels like. Yeah, or over full or to over, know yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you failed. It means you got a really helpful piece of feedback yeah, about you your learned. body and your eating patterns. Yeah, I Absolutely. now know. The other thing I'm thinking about is there can't be hard and fast rules here. And I'm thinking there might be times where it's actually helpful and caring for myself to eat a little bit more than I might normally, like if I know I'm going to have to go a really long stretch without food. Right. Or maybe eat a little bit less for some reason. Yeah. If say you're going out to dinner in an hour or two and you ate lunch several hours ago and you're hungry, you're not going to want to eat till completely full in that scenario. You're going to want to grab a little bit something that will tide you over so that you can go enjoy your dinner. That is nutrition as self-care. And like we would call that, a, there's a little bit of planning mm -hmm. in that. Yeah. But the flexibility piece, 100% intuitive eating is meant to be flexible because we're not machines, right? Mm -hmm. And our every day is different. Your situation is different every day, but so is your appetite fluctuates from day to day. And that's normal. 
context is important. Yeah. I keep like a protein bar in my purse for emergencies at all times. Yes. <laughs> like just super smart. Yeah. Okay. So the next principle of intuitive eating is cope with your emotions with kindness. And this is really where we start addressing and thinking about emotional eating. I always like to share with everyone, frankly, that I think diet culture pathologizes emotional eating or mm. demonizes it. If you're emotional eating, that's thought of as so bad and you have to avoid it, right? Yeah. We believe in intuitive eating. What I share with my clients, all eating is inherently emotional, right? I mean, we all have emotional connections to our food choices and the circumstances and situations in which we're eating. So there's nothing wrong with eating emotionally. I feel like culturally that would be so difficult because we celebrate everything with food, like Valentine's Day, here's mm -hmm. your chocolate, Fourth of July, barbecue, Memorial Day, Labor Day, barbecue. Well, and also just like birthdays, like right? Birthdays. We Weddings, food is so inherently part of emotional. It's tradition and culture. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm thinking it's interesting is maybe the word saddening that so many of my clients carry such shame around emotional eating. Yeah. And why is that? Because diet culture told us it's bad, right? Or because perhaps it doesn't feel very good if you're doing that in a certain way. Or there can be times where emotional eating doesn't feel very good is what I'm trying to say. And so that, of course, triggers feelings of guilt or shame. So I want to help people neutralize that and that it's okay to eat emotionally sometimes. I do it. I'm sure both of you do it. It is a normal part of life. But if that's your primary way of coping with uncomfortable or difficult emotions or you're eating emotionally more than feels good to you, mm. then that's when we will be working through this principle of intuitive eating is let's take away the guilt and shame, scratch that completely, but then let's help you build up your self-care toolbox so that you have other go-to options when those difficult feelings come up. One of those things might be seeing a therapist if that would be helpful for you, but it could just be going for a walk or let's help you figure out how you can do it and then bring in the mindfulness element so that you can non-judgmentally get that pause in those moments. And of course, I have lots of specific tools that I can share or that I share with my clients to help them make that happen. But that's essentially what we're trying to do in this principle. We call that expanding our behavioral repertoire. Oh, <laughs> love that. Yes. I call it building your self-care toolbox. Yours sounds much more official. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I actually like thought about you the other day, Elizabeth. Maybe like three weeks ago, I had a horrible day at work where uh -huh. like half my team quit and it was a whole thing. And I knew I did not have any food at home that was readily available. Like uh -huh. I would have had to cook a bunch of things. And I texted Marcus and I was, we're having always ice cream for dinner. <laughs> Do you want to pick it up or should I? And he was just like, you can. Like, he didn't know what to make of that. <laughs> and like, sure enough, I went home and I made the baby something healthy to eat, chicken nuggets or whatever, and with some veggies. And then after he was in bed, I was like, where's my ice cream cone? <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is kind of weird because I don't normally like eat emotionally very often. I have kind of my routine and that's what I do. But that day I was just like, I'm eating an ice cream cone. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. And I thought about you guys and I was like, oh, Elizabeth would probably be okay with this. Once in a while, sure. I mean, you're not going to ruin your health from one dinner, yeah. right? Yeah, that's how I see it. But the flip side of that is, were you to do that most nights or every night? Of course, that would not promote your health or feel good. For sure. 
So the next principle is respect your body. And this is really where we bring in the body image healing piece. So because intuitive eating is weight neutral, essentially, again, that means the goal of intuitive eating is not weight loss. It's having a happy, healthy relationship with food and building your self-care and healthful habits and eating for well-being. But a lot of times because we live in a culture that's so hyper-focused on weight, people may not feel comfortable at their current weight or in their current body. And that's where we're really bringing in the body image healing piece. I can't remember. I may have talked about this in a previous episode. Thinking about that, one of the things that actually maybe delayed me in actually going toward intuitive eating Mm -hmm. was wanting to get to a certain weight first. Yeah, I may have talked about this before. It's so common. Often people will say to me, oh, yes, I totally want to invite intuitive eating into my life. Everything that you're saying sounds amazing, but I need to lose weight first and then I'll come back to it. And unfortunately, it doesn't really work that way because we can't control our weight in the way we've been told to do that. And that is just putting you back in the dieting mindset, which, of course, intuitive eating is all about breaking out of the dieting mindset. But you have to be ready for it. So when someone says that, that's okay. It's genuinely okay. Maybe you need to go have some of those other experiences again with dieting to be able to discern for you, is that approach really, truly not working for you? And Mm -hmm. if not, intuitive eating will always be there and I'll be there too. This reminds me of what we were just talking about with the fullness. Maybe you actually have to like eat past fullness to learn that. Absolutely. This is what it feels like. Maybe I have to learn that dieting is not working. And then it's taking this <laughs> tremendous toll on my quality of life, yeah. right? Maybe and my health. Yep. I actually have a friend who owns a training studio mm-hmm. and had a promo when he first started that was like, hey, buy one session here, get a second one free at our competitor. And 95% of the people that did both sessions came back to his gym because now they've seen what the alternative mm-hmm. is. So just like eating past fullness or not, uh-huh. you yeah, know, doing another diet or same not. kind of thing. That's fascinating. Yep. The next principle of intuitive eating is movement. Feel the difference. Notice we're calling it movement, not exercise. That's intentional. Well, first of all, people's relationship with movement often gets wrapped up in their relationship with food and their relationship with their body coming at it from the diet culture aspect, which is more punitive and more, again, looking at exercise as a vehicle for weight loss instead of as a vehicle to enhance the quality of your life. Mm -hmm. So we're really trying to help people shift the way that they think about movement, shift your relationship with movement so that then you can decide how you want to move and what you want to do and how often you want to do it, but coming at it from a more nurturing place of care versus I need to do this specific exercise to lose weight. My like least favorite thing about Halloween is when they say, oh, Reese's cup equals seven burpees. Things like that. I'm like, oh. Yeah, because that's that whole concept from diet culture of you have to either earn or burn your food through Mm -hmm. exercise. No, we all need food every single day just by the very nature of being alive. Yeah. And let's get away from that idea of tangling up exercise as compensation for what we eat. I'm thinking of this concept that we have with behavior. Our behavior is under either 
appetitive control or aversive control. Mm -hmm. And in aversive control, we're trying to escape something. Mm -hmm. In this case, we're trying to escape the feelings that come with not having the right body, escape the shame that comes with eating X number of Reese's cups versus appetitive control, which is something we were going toward. Mm -hmm. These are like the things that I want to move my body because it feels great or like I want to move my body in these ways. Typically, one of these tends to be a little bit more effective. Right. Uh, <laughs> I wonder which one. Yeah. It's the appetitive. I really like when we look at the word appetitive, it's like appetite, which is so perfect for intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a conversation I have with clients a lot because sometimes people will say or feel, but if I'm not focusing on weight loss, it means I feel like I'm letting myself go or I'm giving up. And I want to help people consider or I want to convey the message. No, the only thing you're giving up on is diet culture. You're actually leaning into fundamental health promoting self-care and eating and moving and doing all the things for well-being right? You're gaining all this stuff, letting go of the chains of diet culture. But yeah, I love that point. Me too. And then the last principle of intuitive eating is gentle nutrition. And really simply, we can just say this is where we start to bring in the nutrition piece. You'll notice in all of the other principles, it's more about mindset and relationship with food and a lot of emotional, mental pieces of it. In gentle nutrition is where we're layering in the concepts. Okay, hopefully... We save it for last because hopefully you've done a lot of the work of sort of healing or improving your relationship with food, sorting through that mindset piece. And now let's talk about, okay, what are the foods that you can bring in that are going to support your body or make you feel good? And how can you eat them in a way that makes sense for your circumstances, your life, your appetite, your preferences? I actually do like cauliflower rice. Yeah. And a lot of times people realize oh, I do like some of those things that I used to feel like I just had to eat, right? I thought I had to eat this food in this certain diet culture way. And now we're flipping it. Let's have you help you eat it in an enjoyable way. And diet culture doesn't own vegetables, right? We absolutely want to help you incorporate them into your intuitive eating life. But the difference is we want to help you do it in a way that's enjoyable. Appetitive. Yeah. Those are the 10 principles of intuitive eating. That was sort of a flyby tour. We will absolutely do future episodes going way more in-depth into them. I am curious, now that we've kind of gone through these, if we're taking the goal of weight loss, if we're putting that on the shelf, Mm -hmm. how do we measure success? Great question. So we measure success in so many different ways. I mean, we can measure it if someone has specific lab markers that they're concerned about. We can measure the change in their lab markers. But even more than that, I would say, or kind of coinciding with that, is has your relationship with food changed? Do you have less guilt and shame around your food choices? Do you feel more confident? Are you spending less mental energy and time worrying about your food choices or second-guessing them? Have you reclaimed that time in your day from counting or tracking or measuring or bringing your scale with you on vacation? Or This um, sounds amazing. I can't even tell you how many people I see every day that are like kind of steeped in diet culture, and they do worry about the calories, the pounds, all the things, and it's like exhausting to even hear about it, let alone live in that world. Yeah. And so have you enhanced the quality of your life? Is your approach to nutrition now 
adding to your life or detracting from it. And then we can measure by your fitness levels or your stress levels, or do you have less of that good, bad, healthy, Mm -hmm. unhealthy thoughts around food? Essentially, in a nutshell, are you more at peace and Mm -hmm. confident in the way that you're eating? And have you incorporated nutrition and movement and some of those self-care behaviors into your life? in a way that is enriching and enhancing the quality of your life and hopefully also your overall health and well-being. But short answer to your question is it's super individual, right? Because what that means to you, Mora, will be different than what that means to Tara or what that means to me or anyone else out there. Yeah. But there's lots of great ways to measure success. We just don't allow the scale to tell us whether it was helpful in enhancing your well-being or not. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. This is exciting. So that's it. That's the flyby of intuitive eating. And we will catch you all in the next episode. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Wellness Rebranded. If you found this helpful, please take a moment and leave us a review and share it with your friends. If you'd like to learn more about Mora, you can find her website, moratunny.com. To connect with Tara, find her on Instagram at Tara De Leon Fitness. To connect with me, Elizabeth, visit me at elizabethharrisnutrition.com. And while you're there, follow the link to join my health and healing with intuitive eating community on Facebook.